0: We can turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says there, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so uh, he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now remember, Peter wrote in the end of one of his epistles that Paul was very wordy. And uh, this is a good illustration of Apostle Paul being very wordy. Essentially, what he said there in verse 1, he said, Let me tell you how well the churches that were in Macedonia did. Uh, verse 2. The church of Macedonia was in bad shape. Now, so you understand the history. Macedonia is the area of northern Greece. They had been involved in civil war. They had been involved uh, in that for about two decades at this point. So the churches, imagine if you were a church living in an area torn up with civil war, you would say, you're not doing too good. Um, There would be all kinds of problems that would surround so the people that were in the church, I would say probably their spiritual uh, uh, you know, temperature, their demeanor, would have probably been that we're going under persecution. They probably had deaths and families and starvation and all the things that go with war. They weren't in good shape. Um, but here's what happened. They heard about an issue, and we get this from Galatians, from Acts, several other places. They had heard. So they're going through all of this. But they hear that back in Jerusalem, they're having problems with the big church there, about 100,000 believers in that church, and they had a drought going on. And the people were literally starving to death in the area around Jerusalem. They were out of money and funds. So the churches of Galatia, which would be uh, in Turkey today, all the way across and into northern uh, 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 areas of Greece, which is Macedonia, all of those churches are now taking up offerings to send back to Jerusalem. Now, I I hear that and I go, wow. So you mean you're going through civil war yourself? You're in bad shape. And yet it says here, verse 2, this great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Well, he's saying... Even though you were going through so much, you reached down and you were willing to give to somebody that was, in their opinion, worse off than themselves. And then he says in verse three uh, and four, I, I find this crazy. I bear witness. So Paul says that look, I, I witness this according to their ability. So they were giving what they had, yes, and beyond their ability. They were given what really was kind of kind of goofy, we would say today, to have given that much. They were freely willing. Verse 4 really sticks out. They implored us with much urgency. So here these people are living in war-torn, Civil War-torn area, and they're, they're imploring Paul, no, we want to give. They're basically begging Paul, please, we want to take up an offering, we want to send it to Jerusalem, we want to help them out. What's even crazier is that these churches were Gentile churches, supporting the Jews who are back, you know, Jewish Christians that are in the church in Jerusalem, Read through the entire New Testament, and you're going to get the temperature of what the Jewish Christians thought about the Gentiles. They hated them. They thought they're, they're sub-Christians compared to us, the Jewish Christians. So with all of that being said, even more so, they're going, no, we want to bless them. Even though they don't really like us, we still want to bless them. So my hat's off to these guys, along with Paul. He's, he's bearing witness to this. It made it in the Bible um, they implored us with this urgency that we, talk to Paul and his comrades, we would receive this gift in the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, they didn't have PayPal back then or any such thing. Even their mail system, you didn't want to mail uh, coinage through the mail because it would get lost. <laughs> so you just think our post service is bad. Theirs, it was gone. It was stolen. So you'd always sent cash, because it was coinage back then, um, with... Uh, people that represented you so you 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 had to have your own mail system in other words so you would send it with someone so that's where Titus comes in Um, the money is supposed to be carried with him we'll read more on this here in a little bit so as you as you probably have already um, extracted from me here Paul is going to talk today in chapters eight and nine which are both pretty short chapters about giving And he's going to say, look at these guys, and then he's going to move forward with it. So we're going to read through it. I know it's not our favorite subject in the church. You know, here we go. And I'll I'll start this off with, you know, don't draw up and start slinking out the door. I do not teach on tithing. We don't have January tithe month here where we push it at you or we don't do all that. Uh, We don't even pass a plate in here. And the reason is, is because when we started, I didn't want anybody to come to church and think we're after your money, because we're not. Um, we're a church where we've got a tithe box in the back, so you can tithe to us online and uh, keep everything going around here. That's good enough, but we're not going to do the guilting people in. And, and after you go through the teaching today, you'll see why. We, I really believe it's a spiritual gift that someone has. And if that's a gift you have and that's something you want to do, it's between you and God. It's a, it's a form of worship. And uh, so we'll, we'll be looking at all that as we just go through this text today. Verse 8, uh, 2 Corinthians. I speak not by commandment, mm-hmm. but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence uh, of others. Interesting. The Old Testament, you see, taught that tithing was a law so you don't do it read through leviticus along about chapters 26 uh, 25 right through there and it, it, there's whole sections on the law on tithing in the old testament and i'm telling you uh, it, in fact if you tithe an animal or something to the lord and then you were like oh man you know that was my favorite bureau i want it back mm-hmm. you know well god said no 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 you can't just buy it back for what it's worth i want 20 percent interest on top of that so you're like, oh, God, is a, he drives a hard bargain. But um, so you, you see that all in the Old Testament. The, the, the Jews had it down to a science, your giving and so forth. Um, but tithing, in that word, uh, tithe, is, it means tenth. So it, it was always a, a tenth that was given unless you were trying to buy it back and then you, God wanted 20%. Um, but you'll, it may surprise you as we look at this today to find there's no such law on tithing in the new testament there is no tithing law so you thought i was you know, going to hammer you today like there's actually no law in the new testament that says you have to tithe x amount to the lord it's just not there um, we operate on the spiritual gift that i told you before romans 12 verse 8 um, and this is what's so cool if you give it's not just giving it's an outer thing that you're doing, but it is a spiritual gift. If you sit here going, yeah, well, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with giving. I, you know, this or that. Well, you probably don't have the gift, so just quit worrying about it. You're not, I'm not convicting you. If you have the gift, it's like, you know, are you a preacher? I said I wasn't for a long time. Turns out that I am. So, you know, how's that? You, 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 it's not about what you think you are. It's about what you really are. What has God actually gifted you to be? Find that thing, and you're really happy. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people, they, they think well, I'm not gifted to give because if you look at my checking account, you know, you can tell <laughs> I'm not gifted in this department. That's not necessarily true. God never worries about what you have or you don't have. He worries about what you do with what you do have. That's what we're, that's what we're we, we take what we have to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, what can we do with this? Remember the little boy with the fishes and the loaves? You know, his mom created that meal for him, and he went to go see Jesus feeding of the 5,000 happen that day. He shows up, only smart one there, he brought something to eat. And, uh, you know, so Jesus is like, and the disciples are saying, hey, what are we going to do here? Uh, we got all these people, Lord, send them away. And Jesus says, no, we'll, we'll feed them. So they find the boy with the fishes and the loaves. Now, um, you know, there's several things in that story that just are amazing to me. And, and look at tithing in this context. He he had what he had. He didn't overthink it, because if I looked around and saw five thousand people there and they were all belly aching about not having something to eat, I'd have said, "Idiots!" Well, I got something, and I'd have gone, found me a little, uh, you know, rock and got behind it or a tree, and I would have eaten uh, what I had, and my prayer would have gone something like, "Well, thank you, Lord, you didn't make me stupid like the rest of these people, and you know, I got something to eat." And but that's not what happened, you know. When the call went out, like well, there's this boy and he's got this. He looked around the situation and said, well, it's not, gonna, it's not what is needful. It's not going to actually solve any problems. In fact, it's probably going to cause a fight. I would be causing peace if I just keep it. you know. But he didn't reason. He just gave. He said, well, Lord, I give it to you. Do what you will. And the Lord literally multiplied it. I mean, what a great picture of tithing. You just give what, what's in your hand, and then you watch God... With his hand, do his work, and it's pretty amazing. And so at the end of the day, they had leftovers, baskets of leftovers. Interesting, because on that day, I believe there was two feedings in the gospels, but that time there were 12 baskets left over. because the disciples really didn't believe Jesus could do any of that, so he thought, one basket for each of you to look at on the way home. you know, one for each of you to go, "Oh wow, this is what God can do if we just serve the Lord." You know, do what he's doing. So so many lessons there, but look at the tithing aspect. This boy just gave what he had. And God did the rest of it. So, you know, don't don't worry about uh people that, that they start giving you commandments like verse eight is telling you that you've got to give and do more. It's a spiritual gift. Romans twelve eight, I want to read that to you real fast while we're here. Um It's a list of spiritual gifts. Back up to uh, Romans 12, verse 6, it says, having gifts differing according to the grace that's given us, let's use them. And then he mentions prophecy, ministry, he who teaches, verse 8, he who exhorts. And then it says, he who gives with liberality. That means that the gift is that when you give, you can really give. What a gift to have. And, um, you know, here's the, the thing about these gifts is it something you know? It's sort of like what we say at Christmas time. When you're a kid, you just enjoy getting. I want to, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. Well, then later, it's uh, great when you're a parent to be able to give, you know. And the older I get, the more I enjoy that. I, the idea of just going, man, I wish I could have that. Well, you got it now. Here you go, and uh, you know, take. And it, it's fun to give. God knows what fun it is to give. That's why He's such a giving God. It it feeds His character. We're made in the likeness and the image of God. It it There's a satisfaction that comes to us when we are giving back towards the Lord and to each other. So I speak not by commandment back in our text, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich so he's talking about what he gave to us and this I give advice it's to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago so he's making mention that in the past the churches up there said oh wow we really want to give but now you must complete the doing of it there, or that as there was a readiness to desire it so there also may be a completion out of whatever you have this is this is interesting because it says hey if you as a church say oh let's support that if you as an individual say oh i'm going to support this thing don't say you're going to and then renege later you you kind of rob yourself of the blessing It's not for me i'm telling you this is for on your behalf you're going to feel like a squid okay if you say oh i'm going to support and do it and then you renege uh so don't do that he, he's saying and have, keep your desire at the forefront of your mind. Remember, it's your spiritual gift. It's something that if you're called to do this, it's your deal. Four, verse 12, if there is first a willing mind, isn't that interesting? He ties giving to your willingness of the mind. And that, here's the thing I've learned. You can do what most churches do. You can do tithe drives and fundraisers and blah, blah, blah. And you're talking people into doing stuff they never wanted to do in the first place. And you're never going to talk them into it. You're going to guilt people into it. And then they're going to be frustrated. You know, it's kind of like giving you the dollar, holding it as tight as they can. It's like they don't really want to. Then the seeds of discontentment grow with those in the church because they're watching as you spend the money on this or that and going, well, that's stupid that they're wasting funds. The next thing out of your mouth is, I'm not supporting this. All starts with the willingness of the mind. If you're not gifted to give, if it's not on your heart to do it, don't do it. And the other thing is that people think, if I give so much, then I can influence the decisions. If it's a gift, give it. I mean, the thing is, when you're going to give somebody, you know, if I give one of my kids a gift, if it's it's a, a gift with strings attached, it's not much of a gift, is it? We, we give freely to the Lord, and then we just watch it. We watch him take it because we, we don't... With, what about the boy with the fish and the loaves? What if he had strings attached? Um, I, I want at least one quarter of one of those fishes back if I'm going to do that. I want this, and I want this for my family. And God could have been saying, I'm going to give you so much, you're going to be stuffed. Just give it to me. Let me have it. No strings attached. Let me do my work with the gift. And that's what he wants to do with anything that we give him. And this is not just about money, you know. Giving, we always say, oh, it's money. Giving can be our time. It can be our energy, our life energy. You know, you have only so much of it. You're born and you die. There's the energy in between, and it's on a meter. Trust me. The older I get, I'm seeing it's a meter. You know, and you're running towards empty. You you figure out where you're going. What am I going to do with this? Am I going to give it to the world? Am I going to go have fun? Am I going to give part of this to the Lord? And we give some of our time to the Lord. Uh, Some of us give a lot of time to the Lord. But, you know, we give as he gifts us. That's that's really pretty simple here. So, verse 12, I love that. First, there has to be this willing mind. And it's accepted according to what one has. Not according to what he does not have. So, again, quit thinking, well, if I had a million dollars, I would give the Lord so much. If I had. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, What do I have and what am I going to do with it? Four, verse 13, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equity. So he's talking very specifically about the Jerusalem church and the churches there in uh, uh, Macedonia, Upper Greece, uh, Galatia, all those churches, he's saying, look, I'm not trying to make you give so much, and then these other churches don't have to give at all. There should be an equality here. I look at that today. He's teaching this. It's in our Bible. I think there's an application to the church. Um, I think it is not a healthy church when there's two or three people supporting the entire thing. I think it is much healthier when you see everybody Helping to support, or at least everybody that is gifted to do so, uh, you know it's it should be that way. Um, as it is written, then he says, "He who gathers much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack." Now that's interesting. He's quoting that out of the Old Testament, and he's uh, specifically out of Exodus, and specifically out of the story where God is providing manna to the people. Now I've read through this before and talk through this. Now, uh, I think this is my third time through this, and every time I just kind of read over this because I go, okay, well, I'm not sure what manna has to do with tithing. Um, This time, though, I went ahead and turned over and read through it and studied it out, and I I had to think about it quite a bit because there's nothing about tithing over there. So I'm wondering why Paul quoted it. Uh, Well, I think I've got an idea this time. Over there... It's, it, it, it was in the law when he gave manna to the Israelites. He said, it's going to be given daily. And you're going to go out and you can collect it. But only collect how much you need. Just what you need. And there were some more added details there. If you, if you take too much and you bring it back in, then, then the extra, because you think, you know, humankind, we all think, I'm going to store that extra, <laughs> You know, he says, it's going to rot. It's going to rot. It won't do you any good. So only gather what you need. On the sixth day, you could gather twice as much as you need so you didn't have to go work on the Sabbath. That magically just wouldn't rot. It was okay. And then Monday, you better get started gathering again. Isn't that interesting? Now, manna was never a tithe, but it was something God gave to us. God gave us manna. So it was his blessing to us, a tithe, if you will. He was giving to us. And so he says, look, this is how God gives. We need to be the same. He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little (laughs) had no lack. So when it comes to you giving in the church, he's saying to this church here, I'm not wanting, back in verse 13, I don't want you to be eased or others eased and you burdened. Don't give so much that you're killing yourself give at the amount that God tells you to give. It's like the boy with the fishes. He didn't, you know, crack a whip on him and say, this won't feed everybody. Go fish. Don't you see the Sea of Galilee's right there? Go work. It's not by works. It's by faith. So he says, no, you give what you can. You give what's in your hand. And he, that's, the, that's the idea here. God gave and you had enough to get through the day. Churches, um, I believe that when, and I'll tell you from the inside, when we have enough coming into the church to tend to the needs at, at, you know, that are currently in front of us, I say, "Cool. God's providing." If and because you're really more you know think about you earlier in life, uh, maybe now, if you don't have a lot of money, you're very attuned to your account, and you're prayerfully considering, "Well, God, it's going to take a1,000 dollars to do this thing. I don't have a1,000. So then if you pray, you would deduce, well, God may not be wanting me to do that thing that cost a 1000 because I don't have it. See, if you had a million dollars in your account, do you pray about that thing anymore? Not really, because you go, well, I can decide, I can do it, or I won't. It's all up to me. It's no longer up to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying having a million is a bad thing. That's a good thing. Hope you get there. But when it comes to the church, you see, it takes away that leaning on the Spirit If the funds are so exorbitant that we no longer need him, I would rather stay a little closer to the ground and go, do we have the money? Let's pray about it. Let's see where the Lord leads because where God guides, God provides. So he can use money. He can use funds. He can use servants. He can use all this and we can hear the Lord through it. If you design it the right way. And I want to design my life to where God can speak. I don't want it to be so loud. You know, some people, worry, You know, they, they say, I can't hear my phone ring. That's because your music is up too loud. Just FYI for you younger folks. Um, and the same thing is true when it comes to hearing God. It's like, man, I pray and I pray and I never hear God. Well, you ever pick up the word? You're, you praying is you talking to God. The word, what we're hearing this morning, that's him talking to you. And he's telling you this morning, just give what's in your hand to me. Don't strain at this. I want you to be gifted to do these things. Whatever your gift is, I want you to bask in that thing. I want you to come to church with a smile on. I've never laid all these rules on you. It's people that did that. That's what his word's telling me this morning. Just reading this, he's going, you should be coming here and you should be, this should be a fun thing to come and to worship the Lord, however that looks to you. That's what his word's saying. So, more to the word. Okay, so verse 16, But thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is uh, in the gospel throughout all the churches. Not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us. So again, what's he saying? Well, one, uh, Paul is just recounting the history of how the gathering of this tithe came to be. So the first thing is Titus was chosen. That word in the Greek means a vote by the raising of the hands. So the church got together and said, we're sending this gift over here to Jerusalem. Who do we want to send it? You know, This guy? No? Okay. This guy, Titus? Yes, let's send Titus. So Titus is voted in. So Titus gets to go on vacation. Then uh, it says a brother is chosen. So that's the second thing I see here, and that's for accountability. Uh, You don't want to send one guy with this, it says lavish gift, so that means it's quite a bit. Um, So not just Titus. And if I was Titus, I wouldn't want that. Here's something, a little FYI. Somebody task you with carrying a whole bunch of money, go, "Uh uh-uh, you're coming with me. (laughs) Because that way when we get there and something happens, there's two of you. You know, because things happen. Um, And today with electronic money, you know, it's like it left here and it didn't get there. What happened? Uh, You know, we can do things a little safer, I guess, Maybe. But uh, uh, accountability is a great thing when it comes to money in the church. So and then in verse uh, 20 that we read through, he says we want to avoid this and we can't be blamed. So uh, it's wisdom. You know, if there's anything I've seen people get twisted up on in a church, it's the funds. So this is one area we can be lax in our dress. We can be lax in a lot of things. You know, that's the thing about Calvary. We're, We're kind of known for that. We're pretty lax. But don't be lax with the funds. This is one area we need to make sure that we do things right. Uh, Verse uh, twenty-one, he's uh, continuing that because again, he's just he's saying providing honorable things, not only in the sight of men, but also in the or not in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So again, just saying, uh, money. We should do this right in front of God and each other. Verse twenty-two, we have sent with them our brother whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, so in other words, if you're asking about him and you want to know what kind of guy he is, he's my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquiring about, uh, they are messengers of the churches. The glory of Christ. Therefore show to them before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So then Paul's just vouching for him, going, These guys are good. Now, really short chapter uh, here, uh, verse one. Now concerning the ministering of, to the saints, it is uh superfluous, I believe is how you say that. See, I'm pressing on now. Uh, which just means they could have wrote unnecessary. That's the, that's what the word means. It's unnecessary. For me to write to you, so he's saying uh, to to do this, it's unnecessary more than what's necessary that I'm writing to you because in other words, he, he just for a whole chapter said you guys are doing amazing. For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Now he's been writing about the Macedonian church, but remember the letters to the Corinthian church. So this is in the southern part. So he says, the churches of Macedonia have done this amazing thing, but I'm writing to you. Now concerning that, he says, I also know your willingness, is what verse 2 is saying. Um, And I'm boasting about you to the Macedonians. That's kind of dangerous, you know. I wouldn't want an apostle going to some other place and boasting about us. Be like, just quieting it down. As soon as you get us, you know, kind of poking our chest out, we're going to fall around here. But that's what Paul's saying. Yet, verse 3, I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest, verse 4, if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared. So we don't want to come to church on Sunday and say, let's take up this tithe, get it together, and you're going, "Uh, honey, did you bring the wallet today? Did you bring the checkbook? You know, Paul, you kind of caught us unawares here. I mean, we'd have loved to give him. Like we said, remember he said a year ago you were willing to do this thing? We're we're willing, but I mean, you know, you kind of caught us uh, on a bad week. Uh, So he says, I don't want to find you unprepared. We, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So he says, I've been bragging on you. Don't let me down. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. Prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So he's kind of saying the whole fundraiser thing, the pledge drive thing, isn't really all that great. He says, I want this to be something that's still a matter of generosity from your hearts, not something you're all sitting here going, oh, Paul showed up. I know he wrote the letter. I know he said he was coming, but he's here. I was hoping he just wouldn't come. Uh, You know, this is a Sunday in modern times when you just wouldn't show up that week. You're like, oh, Apostle Paul's coming to get the gift. I'm busy. Uh, You know, so he says, let's not do that. Uh, It's interesting because all the same problems we have today with human, is the same problems they had back then. There's so much humanity in the Word of God. Uh, So he comes down to verse 6, but this I say. So now he says, I'm going to take this as a teaching moment. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, um, well, this is kind of interesting. There, are, there is, I should say, not has been, it, it still is, a, a teaching that goes throughout a lot of churches, and it's called the Seed Faith Doctrine. And they base it off of verses 6, 7, uh, 8, all the way through 10 here. And it's basically this, that if you give $100 to the church, that, hey, you're going to reap 1000 It's a tenfold, you know, here it comes. Now, if you want to try that, um, my address is... I mean, am just, just joking. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm willing to play along if you are, but... Uh, <laughs> It's it's absolute bunk. Um, it appeals to a very covetous ministry and a covetous heart, but it's just bunk, and that's not what this is teaching. Um, it, it, there is a truth that if you sow sparingly, if you give of yourself very sparingly, if you serve sparingly, you reap sparingly. But, you know, as a pastor, to teach what I'm getting is, uh, at this point in my life, pretty much weekly, I get some form of encouragement through some channel where somebody's life is affected due to the teaching of the Word. And uh, that's just amazing. That's fruit coming back. And uh, for some of you who give and give very generously to the church, you can look around this place and say, you are taking part in those things that are happening, lives that get changed where they go from empty to full of the Lord. You're taking people that are are destitute. They're they're headed to hell in a handbasket, literally. And you're changing destinations because as people hear the Word of God, it doesn't return void. And you may not see that fruit. I don't get to see all of it. Not near all the fruit that's out there. That's just, you know, off in the fringes. But it's there. And so all of us as a body together, there's people that give here, that support the ministry. I teach here. Um, You know, and this is a great time to mention it, but I don't take a salary here, not a penny. Um, We tithe here the same as many of you guys do. And uh, my wife does all the books here for the church as the secretary. And I do the teaching, whatever you call this. And, um, you know, we do all of this. And it's, again, to serve. And um, frankly, I don't intend to start taking a paycheck. I don't really want one. Um, I don't want to confuse the topic because in today's world, it's a confusing topic. And uh, so I just that's that's what the Lord laid on us to do. The money that's given here it it stays here. One hundred percent keeps everybody going here, and uh, we we keep everything moving as soon as we're not a mission ourselves, we get some of the things done. Uh, my thought would be to follow the biblical mandate. Uh, First you teach to your Jerusalem and then to your Judea and then to the outermost parts of the world, the Bible says. So I say, well, let's do that. Let's uh, get a place to meet going and then let's, uh, whatever the Lord lays on our hand, let's make 100% of the funds go to the ministry and do the Lord's work. And uh, so that's where we are. We we haven't uh, sown sparingly and so I see people reaping big time. Uh, all around me. And through my life, I've seen that. The more that you sow, there's a spiritual uh, benefit back to you. Uh, You reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I really do love that. Attitude matters. Uh, Giving again, I'm going to mention it again, it is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual gift on your part, uh, Romans 12, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work, as it's written. He who disperses abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. The idea is you be a giver the way God is a giver to us. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, and supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now that's an interesting verse. We don't even have time to get into that today, but you remember in Matthew the parable of the sower, And he was throwing the seed out. Interesting, that's mentioned here. He supplies seed to the sower." Now, in, in Matthew, it said, "What is the seed? Jesus said it's the Word of God. So what should a ministry be? Sowing the Word of God. That's the seed. And it goes out and it grows. There in the parable, it grows differently in different folks, but you keep sowing. You know, we did, the, the parable, Jesus never really talks about who is the sower. Is the sower the Lord or is the sower you? We know that the seed is the Word of God, but very plausible that we're the sowers. He gives it to us and we take the Word of God and we sow it everywhere. So whatever we're gifted with, it all ends up in that same place. So interesting verse. You can chew on that uh, verse 10 all week. He gives us the bread for food. Remember we just quoted that verse out of Exodus where he gives the manna and it was a daily food. So he gives to us and we give back to the Lord. While you are enriched, verse 11, in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God because of all that he gives us. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So Paul says, this is what your giving should be doing. It should supply the needs in the church. And there should be some uh, helping those who are down, helping the widows, um, helping those who have lost jobs and those sort of things. We can definitely should be able to do that. The problem is the church is very weak these days. Um, Not our church, just as a whole used to. Um, churches, there, there was no welfare. The church was the welfare. Uh, people gave. Of course, you can get into some a government speech here. The taxes have gone up so much that people give most of the money to the government, and you know they're much better at using it than we are. So um, they uh, they have uh, their programs that they do. The church doesn't have as much as it would have, say, back in these days. Uh, in these days, the church that the people were selling all they had in Acts and giving it all to the church. There was, a, there was a lot more going on there. But the heart is still there. And I think, you know, this is one of these areas I say we do what we can. Where God guides, He provides. And if He provides for it, then we should have this heart about us to supply the need for the saints uh, and abound through many thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ for your liberal sharing with them and all men. So he's just praising them, that that this is their heart. They're wanting to share with the church at Jerusalem. By their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Interesting last point there, because he says, thanks be to God for his. And I would say, wait a minute, Paul. That was my gift. I gave that. And now you're saying for his indescribable gift. Wait, what? What he's saying is twofold there's a the double meaning here his indescribable gift is that he gave his son on the cross to us god is a giver god if you ever think oh you know uh, I'm going to outgive god you know, you know you can't do it god has already outgiven everything that you could possibly do he has he has he has given us so much in genesis 14:14 14, 14, we have the first instance, instance of tithing in the scripture there's a guy Uh, King Chetalamar. I'll call him King Cheddar for short here. So Cheddar came down from the north, he invades, and all of the kings that are in now under the Dead Sea, he invades, hauls all their stuff off to the north. Happens that Abraham is living there. You remember him. Well, Lot, his uh, nephew, not such a great guy, is camped down there uh, at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah with inhabitants of the People, the guy's name is King uh, Birai. Birai, I think. Yeah. Uh, So he's down there. King Cheddar comes down, invades, takes them all out, hauls them all up north. Lot's with them. Abraham gets word of it. So here in uh, Genesis 14, 14, Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive. That's uh, uh, Lot's uh, nephew. He armed his 318 trained servants, born in his his house, and he pursued them as far as Dan. That's to the north. He divided his forces uh, by night. He and his servants, he attacked them. He pursued them uh, uh, all the way to a town which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods. He brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as all the women and all the people. So uh, the king of Sodom, they went out to meet him in the valley after his return from the defeat of King Cheddar and the kings who were with him. Then, this is where it gets interesting, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Interesting that he would bring out bread and wine, huh? Uh, what, you know, we use that today for something. And um, he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him, blessed Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of God, most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave him a tithe of all. Interesting story. We can't even get into who is Melchizedek. We don't really know. I have an idea, but we'll save that for later. Okay, next time that you see tithing in Scripture, you have to move up to Numbers, chapter 6, verse 22, talking about the priest. He says, here's the Levites, here's what you do. Basically, you do sacrifices, you do all this stuff, but at every service, this is what you do. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and say, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, so this is God's word. You tell those priests, this is what you do. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. They made a wonderful Maranatha worship song out of that years ago. Loved it. Um, Then God said, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The very next chapter, we don't have time to read it. It's all about the people then giving tithes to support those priests and the ministry they were doing. Are you starting to put a picture together of what tithing is? Okay. What he's saying in the Old Testament is where you get a blessing, Melchizedek comes out and I bless you with the name of the Lord. May he give you peace. You get the, may the Lord bless you from the Levites, the next priestly order and may God be here. You know, the blessings of the Lord. Hey, support those ministries where you're getting blessed. Are you starting to see this? Support where you're getting a blessing from the Lord. That's where the tithe goes back. We get this really confused. And some people, I know, and I'm just going to cut it off because, uh, and, and answer it here so nobody asks me afterwards. Because so they say, what about Acts? What about Acts 5? I mean, well, you know, God has rules in the New Testament about giving. If you don't know the story, Ananias and Sapphira, they're supposed to, uh, Acts chapter 5, that's where it is. They say there, and it's next time we see tithing come up. And uh, they said uh, at the church to the leaders, we sold everything and we gave it all. And so then they call Ananias and Sapphira in, Ananias first, and says, hey, did you give everything that you said you were going to give? Oh, yeah. Dead. Uh, So then his wife comes in. Hey, she didn't know what happened to her husband. Hey, did y'all give everything that you said you were going to give? Well, yeah. Well, the people that carried your husband out are coming back and they're going to carry you out too you lied to the Lord. Drops down dead. Haul her out. I bet that church was really popping next week, you know? I mean, can you imagine? You know, pass the plate again. You know, that's, that's when you would do a, a, a drive, but just kidding. But um, the point wasn't tithe everything you have. It's don't lie about it. Don't come in here and say, you know, I'm gifted to do all these things and, and be somebody you're not. Just be who you are. And I think we 're seeing that so plainly through this, so that 's all that story was about don't lie about what you're doing or make yourself appear more spiritual to people than what you are. just don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, and vice versa. Um, just give now let your wife know what you're giving people i've actually had a couple ask me that, so i don 't need to tell my wife what i 'm giving. No, no that's that bad bad way to look at that. Let her know you need to be together. The two are one now, remember so um, but your left hand to the right don't don't you don't have to let everybody else know. In the church what you're doing one interesting story and i want to end with this as i read through this i thought this is just like us when it comes to giving good old jacob and i love studying through genesis but good old jacob he struggled with his walk uh, if you know the story with jacob and esau and you know his name was known as heel catcher or deceiver until god changes his name later to be israel but he was a scallywag. I mean, when he was growing up, he was just a scallywag. Well, he's traveling to go to meet up with some relatives. Long story, he was going to marry some of them. But um, long story short, he's, he goes and he's sleeping at a place called Bethel. And that's where uh, he sees this stairway to heaven and uh, angels descending, coming up and down in his dream. And uh, he wakes up. And he goes, wow, God was here. And so he's trying to connect with the Lord. And this is just like a, a new Christian. And that's why I want to bring this up to you and end here. Because this is so cool. It says, Jacob, this is Genesis 28, verse 16. He awoke from his sleep. So, and he said, surely the Lord's in this place. <laughs> and I didn't know it. That's common uh, for a new Christian. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place? It's a common thing. A new Christian doesn't see that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. You feel God do a thing in a place, and you're like, it's this place. It's got to be this church. It's got to be this ministry. So he's, he's really hung up on this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. House of God. Bethel in uh, uh, Hebrew, uh, Bethel is reverse It's the house of God. So that's why it, how it got its name. Then Jacob he rose early in the morning. So he he got up, he said that, and then he took the stone he'd put at his head. That was he used that as a pillow that night. Uh, and then he set it up as a pillar, and he poured some oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. So he renamed it to Bethel, House of God. Then Jacob made a vow. And this is what's interesting. He said, If God be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, wow, doesn't that sound like you and I when we first come to the Lord? You know, it's like that Jesus take the wheel. It's like, yeah, I need a co-pilot. No, no. You need to turn your life totally over to the Lord. But a new Christian, this is what you do. Oh, Lord, if you'll be with me and keep me in the way that I'm going, what I'm doing, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, that's our first prayers, isn't it? so that I come back to my father's house in peace. So I want to go find my brides and come back. Then the Lord shall be my God. What a prayer. I'm sure God's up there going, oh boy, I'm glad I have you on my side, you know. It gets better. Then this stone that I have set as a pillar, this shall be God's house. And God's going, oh, I, I, I made the rock. But, you know, thank you. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> This shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I shall surely give a tenth to you. Wow. That's tithing. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, I guess I see me in that. As I come to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, if you'll bless me. Lord, if you'll do this. Lord, if you'll do that. Then I'll give to you. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to hold this. If you start not doing right, well, I'm going to to I'm going I'm to hold back from you, God. That'll teach you. And we, we live our life in this kind of an idiotic state until we snap together, uh, reality sets in, and we see God cannot be outdone. He gave me Jesus. He died for me. You can't beat that. He, he's given you eternity in our hearts. He's given you the Holy Spirit as a down payment of that, the New Testament tells us. We can't outgive God. We give because he gifts us to give. So I want you to leave here today not going by the tithing box. Oh, we got a gift. It's a blessing to support what God is doing. I would encourage you to obviously support the things where you're getting blessed from the Lord. That's biblical. Bless what's blessing you. And that's what God has laid forth. If, if there's a blessing coming into your life, if the word is being taught, support those things. You know, I know my family, we look to support things where we feel like the Lord's work's getting done. There are some organizations out there that I do not support. You know, I'm not going to give you a list, but they're not doing the Lord's work. Um, They're just taking your money. There's others, you know, like Samaritan's Purse is one of them. They are doing some amazing good work out there all over the world, and they're taking Jesus to the masses. And so look for, you know, it's real simple. What's blessing the world today? What's a blessing to you? Bless what's blessing you and give to to what's blessing others out there.